Lonely Monk Productions. I don't know if y'all have heard To the Top by Grace Vonderkoon yet, but yo, that's my joy! joy. Hey yo, displace the guilt. What's good, friends and family, neighbors, near and far? Welcome to an all-new episode of the Yo, That's My John podcast. The podcast, website, brand, movement, way of life, dedicated to the embrace and championing of your passions. I am your host, Nate Runkle, a.k.a. The John, The Witch in the Wardrobe, a.k.a. John Langzine, a.k.a. The John with the Chompies, a.k.a. Siggy Fiebert, a.k.a. The Baby in the Diaper Wearing the 2022 Sash, a.k.a. Nate 3.0, back at it again and here with yet another episode of the podcast. As always, I hope this podcast finds you all in good health and in good spirits. What's up, dudes? Hope you had a festive holiday and you got to spend some quality time with some loved ones. This is officially the last podcast of the year. So as we close the books on 2021, I just want to reflect on the pod and some of my highlights. Well, let's see. Uh, For one, we had some killer guests. Many, many thanks to Ben Arnold, Dan Reed, John Fay, Clover, Pearl Charles, Nicole Atkins, Michael McDermott, Wallace, Lisa Flynn, Keith Marlowe, and of course, Dan Drago. The conversations I had this year with these cats and kittens is everything I wanted this podcast to be when I sat down and I dreamed it up. And I am forever grateful for them donating their time to my dumb little show that I record in my basement. Uh, What else? Oh, There's a lot more of you guys listening. Listenership keeps growing, and I am humbled that you have chosen to let me in your ears and in your hearts. You know, listenership has grown so much that for one small moment earlier this year, I had the number 64 music podcast in Australia. Sorry, correction, the number 64 music interview podcast in Australia. Fucking good day, mates. Let's see, what else? We saw a website redesign in 2021, and we got merch, yo, which, remember, you can find at www.yothatsmyjohn.com. It was a fine year, but what's past is prologue. Let's bring on 2022. We already got some great things in store, and I can't wait to see what the universe may surprise me with. Though... Now that I just said that out loud, I feel like I've just cursed myself. Maybe I need to be more specific. You know, like asking a genie for a wish. Okay, okay, okay. Let me try it again. Uh, I can't wait to see what good surprises the universe may bring me specifically in relation to the show, Yo, That's My John, and definitely not like another COVID variant. Uh, Shit. Okay, now I just put that out into the ether. Okay, let me try this one last time. I hope good things happen to all of us and bad things do not. Full stop, end quote. All right, without any further ado, let's kick off part two of my interview with the great Dan Drago. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, at this time, would you like to go through the jauntlet? These are uh, my standard (laughs) questions for every guest. Yes, let's do it. Let's All right, one hit wonder number one, Billy Joel or Elton John? Okay, so like Billy Joel was big in the house growing up. Uh, so I think I'm gonna I'm, I'm not gonna answer correctly on these. I'm gonna go with my gut on these and just kind of be like, well, this is how it feels to me. Whether or not it is the cooler answer, I love Elton John, but I mean Billy Joel is so much 
in my life growing up. My parents, both my parents, my parents didn't agree on a ton of music, but Billy Joel was definitely a mom and dad both love Billy Joel. I was just talking to somebody about this recently, but I feel like Billy Joel has become almost a forgotten great in the past few years that like, you know, Elton John's kind of stayed in the zeitgeist or whatnot, but Billy Joel just was like, yeah, I did it. And I'm going to go make classical music now. And occasionally yeah. I'll play on new year's and play Madison garden, Madison square garden for a week. And then, you know, away I go. Yeah. Like people forget with Billy Joel is that there's this period of him where he's like, you can put him in the same realm as like Elvis Costello or Joe Jackson or something like that. Like he's, you know, that kind of like angry, young, snotty, young man thing going on right there. Cause you think of like the, like the stranger and glass houses and 52nd street. Like those are some pretty, like he's like some pretty bratty albums right there. He's got some pretty like big shot is like a, like a real, like that, that's a song with, with, with some balls behind it, you know? Yeah. Or, or songs like, or songs like moving out and stuff like that, which I used to play when I played solo, uh, I would play just a solo acoustic version of moving out. Uh, Cause I love that song. I just started bringing back uh, captain Jack into my acoustic. Oh, that's sets. a great one. That's <laughs> a great one. Uh, next one, Debbie Harry or Joan Jett. Oh gosh. Um, I go Debbie Harry on that. I, I, I really love Blondie. Uh, I love Joan Jett and I love, you know, the runaways and how that, you know, what that means to punk going on later and all that. But like, man, Blondie's great. Like, you know, just like the, the rapture, notwithstanding, like, you know, we can all gloss over the, every time the rapture comes on, like, uh, cause like I have a little serious XM app on my phone. So like, I'll listen to it in the car sometimes. Every time the rapture comes on, I'm just like, God, it was a different time. Like they all thought, like, no, this is a good idea, Debbie. Why don't you rap? Hey, uh, they tried. They tried. I mean, it was New York. It was in, it was in the water. Like it was an exciting time to be a musician in New York. And you know, hip hop was becoming a thing then. So, like, I understand. Like they're they're hip, they're hip young people. They just be like, well, let's experiment with this new sound that's coming out of yeah. you know coming out of, out, out of out of Harlem. Um, but yeah, no, nah, I love Blondie. I love Debbie Harry. Awesome. Next one, Aretha Franklin or Tina Turner? Oh, Aretha, hands down. Yeah. Um, I just watched the movie. Uh, I was on a plane uh, and I watched. Uh, I watched Respect, and it's outstanding. It's oh, outstanding. bringing it back to Mark Marin again. He's outstanding too. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, he got me in the door for watching the movie. I'm. A, I mean, I'm. I'm a big Aretha Franklin fan. I mean, how how do you not love Aretha Franklin? Uh, and I did a a side project podcast during the pandemic with uh, with with my friend James Hearn called Double Lives, and we did deep dives on live records. And one of the ones we did was Aretha Franklin's uh, Live at the Fillmore West, which I believe was from '71, uh, where uh, King Curtis and the Kingpins are her uh, her backing band. Um, Ray Charles shows up at the end of it, uh, like like he does. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I I love Aretha. But like diving into that live record too uh, made me really really appreciate that era. That like post respect, like respect was out. And she was just flying to the top, like just hustling. Kind of, yeah, because in the movie you realize that like she put out all these records, both kind of before that, and kind of had like was just trying to figure out how to make hits, and she didn't really know until she just started doing the kind of music that she wanted to do. And yeah, so Aretha all the way. I love Tina, but like Aretha all the way. Very nice, very nice. Next one, Nirvana or Pearl Jam? Nirvana. Yeah. 
I'm not a Pearl Jam guy. This is an unpopular music opinion I have. I think Pearl Jam are boring. Okay. Uh, they have a little, the joy of grunge, like the cool thing about grunge is that it's like you, you have one foot in the camp of like classic rock and one foot in the camp of at the time with like 80s and early 90s kind of DIY underground rock, you know, punk and stuff like that. Nirvana, I think, has that perfect straddling between, you know, a little bit of pop and a whole lot of just gnarly shit. Pearl Jam leans a little too much into the classic rock side for me. Uh, and, and there are Pearl Jam songs I love. They're like, I think Rearview Mirror is a fantastic song. I think Spin the Black Circle is a fantastic song. Um, but like, I, uh, Pearl Jam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel you. I feel you. Uh, Janis Joplin or Stevie Nicks? That's interesting. I don't think I have a strong opinion about either of them. Um, I mean, Janice got pipes, man. And she, you know, she lived rock and roll. She really did. I mean, who knows? Who knows what we would think of the sort of the the thing of Janice Joplin at this point if she, you know, she had lived longer. Yeah. Um, and I'm not the biggest Fleetwood Mac fan, uh, although like. Again, you put a Fleetwood Mac song on, and I'm just like, I acknowledge it. It's great. Uh, I'll go Janice because she's, okay. she's a little, you know, she's got the soulful pipes, old, you know, that kind of old school rock and roll belt. I like it. Yeah, uh, this next one's the big one, and I'm pretty sure I can figure this one out. <laughs> Beatles or the Stones? <sighs> I'm a huge Beatles guy. I really am. I also love the Stones. Um, but I guess I got to go Beatles on this one. They, although there are aspects of the Stones that, that I absolutely love. The Beatles get the advantage of breaking up. Whereas yeah. in the Stones, <laughs> kind of keep yeah. going. Yeah. And no one has listened to a Stones record past like 1983 at this point. Um, so, but there, I mean, there's some Stones stuff I absolutely, I absolutely live and die with. But like, yeah, I'm, I'm a Beatles guy. You know, to that point on the Stones, one of the things that I really like um, and I've come to really appreciate is knowing that every once in a while there will be a Stone song on the radio from one of the songs from like the 80s and 90s that I never heard. And I'm like, what the hell is this? This is pretty good. Maybe I should revisit this album. And then I go revisit it and I go, nah. The final one hit wonder, Bohemian Rhapsody or Stairway to Heaven. Okay, that's interesting. I remember reading this and thinking like that's that's interesting because they're both they're both so overplayed in in the canon of classic rock at this point that they, you know, I sort of feel nothing for either of them right now because again, it's like so much a part of uh, you know, just the classic rock canon. But I got to go Bohemian Rhapsody um from the vocal arrangements alone and also the fact that that song that song is in our culture because of the movie Wayne's world. Like, yeah. Like, and that was uh, a fun little side piece of trivia on that is that the studio wanted them to include uh, instead of in that scene, they were going to be in the car rocking out to something. And the studio said like, well, we also represent guns and roses and they have a new single out. So could you think the guys could rock out to guns and roses? And Mike Myers is like, well, it's not funny if they rock out to a guns and roses song that no one's ever heard before. He's like, it is funny if they do it to this part of Bohemian Rhapsody with the voices and all that. This yeah. dude was like, yeah. oh, we'd really like you to do this and give it to Mike Myers. He absolutely dug his feet. He goes, no. He's like, we're doing, we're doing it with the Queen song or we're not doing the scene at all. And that scene is, you know, like, it's, it's so much part of pop culture that like, I, uh, ridiculous. 
I, I find it really funny. So uh, Lisa Flynn was on your show. She was on here as well, told me the story that she sold Mike Myers a copy of Night at the Opera. Um, oh, so. wow. Well, I wonder if that's kind of how that, oh, who knows? That, yeah, that's, right? Small yeah. world, small world. I just love that. I, and and I, I love my favorite thing about that story, aside from that we get a funny scene with Bohemian Rhapsody, is that like Myers was still pretty young and like not as big a deal. Like Wayne's World was like the beginning of him being like Mike Myers, the international comedy yeah. superstar. So for him at that age to just be like, nah, screw it. We're doing it my way. We're doing it this way because it's funny. He's like, we're not we're not trying to sell a Guns N' Roses song. He's like, we're trying to have a funny scene. That's funny. Like that's he's like, this is this is how we have to do that. And I love that. Like, I, I, I love hearing stories about like artists who would you know later go on to be these massive things, even at like early points in their careers, just being like, no, I, I know what I'm about here. Yeah, like, we're going to do it my way. Trust me. It's like um, the uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the films of Kevin Smith, but um, uh, he was offered more money to do Chasing Amy than the 20, 270000 that they that they ended up giving him if he would have cast Drew Barrymore and David Schwimmer instead of Ben Affleck and Joey Lauren Adams. God, um, what a different movie right there. Yeah. A yeah. movie that I probably wouldn't like. No, <laughs> no, no. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, again, it's, again, because that's a guy who came up. He, he put his first movie on his credit card or a series yeah. of credit cards. He, he's like, whatever. I'll go. But he's like, I'll go back to making indies in in New Jersey. He's like, I don't like. That's always the fun thing is as as people become you know as the the larger you know uh, media corporations swallow people up to give you know give people money and opportunities. Is that like some of these indie makers are just like, now nah, I'll, I'll I'll just go back to what I was doing before. Like I I don't care. Like yeah. you know, I think of people like that, or like I think of someone like like Taika Waititi or something like that. You know, who's been given so many opportunities in the Marvel world, but then turns around with his production company and brings on uh, Sterling Harjo uh, to make res- to make uh, reservation dogs, uh, and he's just like, nah, I'm just going to use my massive amount of influence right now to make cool shows that I want to see. Yeah. He's like, I don't, he's like, he could have made, you know, he could have got an option to make another Marvel movie or, you know, another Thor movie or whatever. He's just like, nah, we're going to do this. Like, uh, I love it. One of the, one of the, um, down, uh, down points of having olive skin is whenever someone, um, that looks otherworldly becomes famous, I get a, do you know who you look like? And, uh, Taika Waititi <laughs> is the latest. Do you know who you look like? And I'm like, I look nothing like him. I'm just, no, you don't look anything. He looks almost, he looks more French than anything. Yeah. Every time I see him, he looks like a rugged French actor from the seventies. Um, and I again, he's he's such a great creator. I don't think about what he looks like, even though I know like he kind of puts himself in here in and there. Everywhere. Yeah, oh. he's great. He, I'm, a, he's, I'm a big fan. He's so funny. Like it's that that like that like flight of the Concords type of of com- that style of comedy right there, or like the original what we do in the shadows, and then like the TV series right now. It's just this remarkable style of comedy that like doesn't exist in doesn't really exist in American comedy, but like those of us, some of us are like primed for it. Like if you grew up like like Monty Python and Beatles movies and stuff like that, like you're ready for this sort of weird, weird, awkward humor, but like the New Zealand style, like not awkward, like the office, but like, which I don't like as much as everyone else likes, but you know, here I am. There's another unpopular opinion for you right there. Do not like uh... it. (laughs) <laughs> my girlfriend gets mad at me all the time because I'm like, I, do, I don't find the character of Dwight funny. So uh, I like, 
Yeah. I know that guy though. Like, <laughs> yeah. or, or I've been that guy. I don't want to watch that. Exactly. Like, I'd much rather watch a house full of vampires who like can't understand that they live in the 21st century. And if one of those vampires is Matt Berry, then like sold, like he is one of the funniest human beings on earth. Matt I don't Berry. understand how he can make me laugh just by saying the word bat. Like <laughs> <laughs> we still say, I mean, we've, we've, I've cursed a little bit of this podcast, but like there's this line where, where gear was just like, well, come with me and put your shoes on. He just goes, you can get fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My wife and I say that to each other all the time. Really? Like, in that voice, in the Matt Berry voice. I don't know how much you've watched it. Like, because I, I got I discovered him like on second season of the IT crowd, like when they bring him in for that. And he's just like, I was like, oh, this guy's fantastic. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. So the second half of the Jauntlet, the top 10 countdown. Uh, you know, you're from Philly, so you know this, but I always like to uh, throw it out there just in case anybody's listening and they don't. I use John freely to mean anything. It doesn't have to be music. It can be anything you want it to be. So uh, number one, what was your first John? What was the first thing you were obsessed with as a kid? Um, I'll probably go to music because I was definitely obsessed with, with music. Um, like the Beach Boys. Yeah, the Beach Boys and the Monkees. Like I had those tapes probably at like five, and I would just like listen. I had like this Monkees Greatest Hits and the Beach Boys Endless Summer. Um, this was before I even had the Beatles. Like, like later, like a couple of years later, I would I would get the Beatles. But like, I still think the Monkees are fantastic. Like they're one of my favorite things of the '60s. And people say like, oh, you know, they they weren't a, like people try to equate them as a boy band. I go, no, no, they were like performance art. Like they have more in common with like Monty Python or something like that than they do with a, a boy. They're, they're not like, they're not the Partridge family. Like yeah. there's, and they're, they're very funny. And if you ever see that movie head that they made, uh, it's just the most ridiculous thing ever. Uh, that kind of zany madcap kind of sixties thing right there. I really love it. But yeah, like monkeys and the beach boys were like two of the first things that I remember just like absolutely being obsessed with. I don't know if you just saw the fist pump, but um, I have there's a through line in this uh, series of podcasts where I normally try to force the monkeys into the conversation at any point <laughs> yeah, yeah, that I, I can so that you did it yourself. I was just like, <sighs> oh, thank God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like and they could they could play like like Peter Tark was an excellent banjo player. Yeah, like, he really play. Um, yeah. And, and they, they were just they were just funny irreverent like those shows like the the monkeys show like pops up on like television if you watch television like television television it'll pop up every once in a while and i'll watch i was like god these guys are funny like and it holds and up like, yeah and not in the way that like where the beatles were funny and like hard days night or help like it's that kind of thing like you can tell that someone at a network said like well go be funny like the beatles are funny but they were funny in a completely different way like uh and i love how they you know they they skewer like the you know the the record labels and like being you know being a teen sensation band like it's it's like a they're like a parody of a teen sensation band except that they wrote really really good songs yeah yeah 
I 100% agree. I'll, I'll have to send you a link. I did a, a whole thing on here um, uh, in uh, when the Rock Hall of Fame nominations came out like two years ago about how I feel like the monkeys should be in the Hall of Fame and I don't care what anybody else. Are they not in the Hall of Fame? They're not. Um, from what That's, I understand, um, uh, <laughs> Jan Werner uh, has an edict that he won't even allow it to be put to a vote. And I don't know if that's just a you why know, does he still get to decide things I, who knows it's done man rolling stone is is nearly irrelevant right now except for the uh the the political journalism that they've done right. over the last several years but from a music standpoint like it's done like it's done like just shut up you had a good run why, exactly. now, now he gets to decide who's in the rock. I did not know that. And as you can tell, I'm, now I'm very upset about it. <laughs> yeah, as you should be. There's a lot oh. of people that aren't in there uh, that really anger me, um, especially now that the Foo Fighters are in, but uh, also another yeah. podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number two, what's your current, John? What are you into right now? Oh, gosh. Um, what was I listening to recently? Because uh, I always have stuff on. Like, and I, uh, I guess like over the last year, uh, over the last year and a half, um, you know, I would go out and hike a lot. So hiking became my job. I mean, I grew up doing that, but like, uh, I would leave one headphone in and I would listen to Bill Evans for hours. Uh, and it was just incredibly, uh, just centering and calming just to listen to Bill Evans. Um, cause there's an amazing, amazing music going on in there. But like, I don't know if you can just dial into Bill Evans, it's like someone just, standing next to you being like no man it's cool i got this like um yeah bill evans uh and also bill withers over the last year or so like i i mean who doesn't love bill withers but like i really got into bill withers and like learned a lot more about him as an artist and as a person and all that so those are like two two bills right there <laughs> i love it i love it number three what was your first concert okay um when you get old your memory goes i saw concerts with my father i know he took me to things uh but i think the first concert that it was like my decision to go to was uh bare naked ladies and billy bragg wow um, yeah, and this was on uh the maybe you should drive tour so it was like bnl's second record they weren't like it was before one week before all that, like before yeah. they were like internationally famous, but growing up in Western New York and then being from, uh, from, from Toronto, uh, we got a lot of that up there. Like we got a lot of Canadian bands that never really quite ever broke into the rest of the country, but they were huge where we were, uh, and a band like the tragically hip is another example of that as well. Um, but yeah, living that close to the Canadian border. Yeah. Bare naked ladies and Billy Bragg who like, I did not know who he was then. Uh, I did not know his significance, uh, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. In, in music. And I, I don't think I even appreciated him at the time because uh, he was just like this sort of like preachy English guy. And I was there. I was there to hear. I was there to throw uh, Kraft macaroni and cheese. Uh, so, uh, But later I would come to really, really love uh, Billy Bragg. But yeah, I think that's like the first show that it was like my decision that I wanted to go to. Very nice. I uh, uh, I saw Billy Bragg a f few years ago at the Keswick Theater, and he had one of my favorite stage banter things that I've <laughs> that is just committed. And I, I remember this one line that he had uh, more than I could tell you any song that he played. Uh, but he said that um, 
uh, on that tour, he came to America and realized how into what he referred to was ambient Van Morrison music the <laughs> the country had become. And he was talking about like Mumford and Sons and stuff. And I was oh, just gosh. like, and and I left that show and went to a bar and Van Morrison was playing. And I was like, Ugh. oh my God, this country really loves <laughs> like ambient Van Morrison. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your Mumford, your, uh, your old Crow Madison show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like your your lumineers or or what have you. Um, yeah, I missed all. I mean, I didn't miss it. I knew it was there, but I was like, I was in a band trying to do that at the same time that the lumineers got famous, and so we kind of sat there with our band. We're just like, well, crap. What do we do now? Like, yeah, I don't want. Like, we were kind of doing. We weren't obviously. We weren't doing. We weren't being the lumineers, but we were in that realm sort of alt country roots music with a, with you know a lot of vocals and stuff like that it's like them and fleet foxes and mumford and i was like well guys we might need to rethink this uh because no one will believe that like that you were doing, doing this this whole time so yeah damn you mumford i still have a uh thing from the grape room um uh, from i think it was from philadelphia weekly um it was an ad for uh, uh shows at the grape room and like on tuesday the lumineers played and then like on wednesday i played and i i, I like to it, i like to keep that in my wallet just to be like hey, just so yeah. you know um you know I'm working, me. That's, ex- <laughs> that's exactly right it's exactly right uh number four what was your last concert what was the last show you went to before pandemic the last thing i saw live was a uh, train Astasio band in uh new orleans uh, which was fantastic because we were down there kind of taking a, taking a few days. I love new Orleans. Uh, and he happened to be playing. Uh, and I took my wife who has sort of abided my fish obsession for, you know, all our time together, but never really dialed into it. She didn't dislike it. She's just like, all right, that's your thing. But I took her to see Trey. Cause I was like, well, this is sort of like fish light. Like they don't quite, doesn't quite go out there like fish. And she loved it. Like she, she loved him. She loved the band. She loved the girls because they play horns and, and sing behind him. Uh, and that kind of began her slowly kind of beginning to get into this weird fish world that I've, I've been in since I was a teenager. Um, and then I think like one of my other first shows back, I haven't seen anything big uh, since this is a, well, I went to Philly music fest. Uh, I saw the men zingers. Uh, that was a good time. Uh, it was just nice to see music happening at that level and see that many people engaging with it again. There's a lot of local stuff. Uh, saw my friend Will Brown's band Six Six. Um, been to yeah, been to where it leaves a couple of times. Uh, still kind of like taking it light, you know what yeah. I mean? Still yeah. not like, rushing into things. I want to make sure everything. I mean, I went to five fish shows this summer, but they were all outside. Uh, that's how you do. You don't go to one. You go to like no, five. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, and we're you know wearing masks and the whole thing and and, and all that and, and and it was cool. And then I found out later that at the indoor shows that they've done later in the year, like there's been some pretty gnarly upticks of uh, people getting sick. So I'm like, well, I'm glad I did the outside and didn't go to anything inside. Um, so I don't know if I'm like ready to go inside, even you know, vaxes or not, uh, to anything that big. Like I'm certainly not going to Madison Square Garden. Uh, this this New Year's. I'm, I'm not doing it. I went to one indoor show. I saw Idols at uh, the Fillmore 
Oh and, yeah. Uh, I was up on the balcony away from everything, but I literally, I've I told my girlfriend, I felt like I was looking over a sea of COVID. Like I was just like, no, I can't, I'm not ready. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you're, you're just like, is it fine? Is it not? I don't know. And then you're just like, I'm not, again, it's like, I'm not capable of making that decision right now for whether or not it's fine or yeah. not. No. I mean, when I was at these fish shows, even outside, everyone just wandering around no mask. I'm just like, eh, like maybe not. <laughs> Because yeah. they weren't, you know, they weren't, there was no vaccination status there or anything like fish fans are generally pl- pretty cool, but you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. COVID don't care about cool. No, it does not <laughs> care how cool you are. It does not yeah. care how hip or woke you are. You will get sick. <laughs> uh, my, my fish claim to fame is uh, I was at the 95 Stabler Arena show where they played Guy UT live for the very first time. So, oh, nice. <laughs> I have that. I got that tape somewhere. Yeah, it was a great yeah. show. That was a great show. Uh, number five, what was your favorite concert you've ever been to? Okay, fish shows notwithstanding. Like, you have to push those off to the side. It's a whole other thing. So I definitely have my favorites of those. Um, I've seen so many shows. Uh, pull one out of, out of the ether. Uh, I, I saw Sunny Day Real Estate in, hold on, I have to look at a poster right here. 2000. Uh, on the Rising Tide tour, probably the last, I think it's the last, one of the last tours they ever did. I did not see them in Reunion. Uh, that was a huge show for me. That was a lot of fun. And uh, Fugazi in 1997 um, with uh, with Blonde Redhead opening up for them. Oh, wow. Where the was Hero- that at? Heroist Ballroom, Rochester, New York, cost $8. Oh, that's fantastic. All, age, all ages. And they just absolutely, I mean, like I, you know, Fugazi, I mean, I talk about fish and I talk about classic rock and I talk about the Beatles and all that. And like, but I like Fugazi is like one of just the pinnacle bands for me. Like, not just, I mean, musically, yes, and just their ethos, the way that they did business, the way that they, the way that they chose to exist in the music world. Like, I don't, I don't think you could do that anymore. Uh, It's amazing they were able to do it. Yeah, totally. Uh, number six, who have you never seen live that you wish you would have? I uh, never saw Bowie. Would have liked to have seen Bowie. Uh, never saw Lou Reed. Uh, would have very much liked to have seen Lou Reed, uh, especially in that era that like kind of like set the Twilight Reeling era where he went out and like did that acoustic tour uh, that became the Perfect Night in London live record. Uh, I would have loved to have seen that. I'm such a, such a big Lou Reed fan. Um, yeah, like those. Are, I wish I could have seen, seen that at that level. Um, but the, I mean, like there are tons of like we were talking before. Like I didn't go to the, I didn't go see Temple of the Dog. I didn't go yeah. to that Sound Garden, uh, you know, uh, anniversary tour. Um, I didn't go see the Police when they got back together, and I probably should have, but uh, I didn't have you know, two or $300 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Not cheap. That's how I feel about the stones. Like I, like I I was telling uh, someone earlier about this, but like uh, when I I want, I forget, I can never remember what tour it was, Um, but they were doing, they were doing their big arena shows in every city, but they would do one night at a smaller venue and they played the tower and um oh dang and it was like late 90s i want to say something like that and like that i was like okay that's how i want to see the stones and then i looked oh, yeah. up tickets and i was like oh yeah that I've is seen never that happening. Yeah. 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 someone will have to tell me about it because there's no yeah. way i'm going to that 
<laughs> I saw Radiohead at the Tower in uh, in in '05. Uh, wow! Right before In Rainbows came out, it was like they came. They were over. I think they were in the states for like All Tomorrow's Parties or something like that. And so they decided like let's do another show. I mean, speaking of that though, I mean another great show, uh, uh, Portishead in 2011 2012 again they were in the states for all tomorrow's parties uh and did like three or four dates in the states and they have never been back since uh, they've never been anywhere i think since um again that was like oh that's up there like that's there yeah they're one of my yeah one of my favorite bands of all time uh number seven name an unappreciated john something you wish had some more shine on it oh gosh i mean there's so many philly bands that like i think it's like why 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 are they not giving them money? Um, you know, in, in terms of, but that's, you know, when you kind of live in like the sort of the regional or, you know, for better term local, I don't always like the term, I don't like the term local music, but like, it just sounds quaint. Um, yeah. Like when you live in that world, you see so many things go by that you're just like, why isn't that a thing? Why doesn't everyone love that? Um, but like in terms of underrated, a kind of like a, a higher level or like something that I don't, pe- I don't think people give um, enough attention to, I think some of like the songwriters are like my dad's generation that like kind of get lost a little bit going to like, I don't think people give bunny rate uh, elite, like the, the, the credge she deserves uh, or you want to give more, more obscure than that or someone like Ricky Lee Jones or something like yeah. that. I think these are amazing people or like, you know, you, you find uh, like cult, like it's kind of a culty thing that people love Harry Nelson, but like, I think he's like, he was the Beatles favorite recording artists like what like that tells you something and i think he's one of the most amazing uh amazing people the 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 american songwriters uh out there uh and then like in terms of like british uh, a british guy like uh, robin hitchcock uh i think is amazing uh he's one of my favorite songwriters ever to exist and you know I think he'll always have a nice place, you know, in, in, in the world. Like I think of him or bands like the psychedelic furs or something like that, where I'm just like, yeah, they had hits, but like people don't realize that like, no, the entire catalog is gold. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, By the way, Harry Nielsen, also not in the rock and roll hall of fame, also a point of contention for me. Uh, uh, what's what's uh what's, what's Jan Winner's uh, problem? (laughs) Probably that he wrote for the monkeys. (laughs) Oh yeah. 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 He wrote the cuddly (laughs) toy song. That's Um, right. Harry Nilsson like it's Harry Nilsson like, I know he's yeah. so great he's so great um number eight what's your favorite album do you have a favorite album oh gosh um I mean no but <laughs> uh so many things uh I just like records that I go back to there's certain records that like when they come on I'm always just like yo why wasn't I already listening to this yeah um, and there's certain records that I go through that, that period with, but in terms of like, like all time, like something I can always put on, like, uh, like television's marquee moon. Like I can always put on and I'll always hear something in the guitar playing that I didn't hear, you know, uh, amongst the million other times that I've listened to it. Um, or I think is somebody like, uh, like a tribe called quest low end theory or something like that. Like you put that on and I'm like, yes, like this is out. This is fantastic. Uh, I can listen to this, you know, listen to this forever, just on a loop. Yeah. Um, things like that. Uh, records by like an older stuff. I think of uh, like Hendrix's Banded Gypsies record. Like that's just like you, it at times doesn't get any better than that. Um, or uh, 
someone like uh, there's certain it, it, it depends. I mean, I mean, you're probably like this too, where music for me is so much based on mood and things are going to hit me in a certain way and stuff that might be my quote unquote favorite. If I'm just not, if mm-hmm. it's just not working for me that day, it's not working for me. Like I was in a Beatles tribute band for a couple of years. And like, after I left that band, like I couldn't, I couldn't dig on the Beatles for a while. Like I just couldn't do it. It was just too much. Like I had lived and breathed that stuff to a point that it, like I had almost ruined it for myself. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like, yeah, like stuff will kind of come by or stream by and I'll be like, oh, that's great. And or something that I like heard before, maybe like 15 years ago, and didn't think anything of. Uh, and then I listen to it now and I'll be like, oh, gosh, this is like the most amazing thing ever. Like the first two St. Vincent records, like those are two fantastic records right there. And I liked them a lot when they came out, but I think that they meet, I think I have a different appreciation of them more, especially seeing what she has gone on and done, uh, you know, as, as a musician, I go back to those first two St. Vincent records and I'm like, Oh, these are, these are outstanding. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned mood and uh, it's funny because immediately when you said that, I thought of two things. And that is one of my favorite albums of all time is Oh by Damien Rice, but I can't listen to it for the same reason that I I, I can't listen to. And it's weird. We're going to use that letter again. Um, XO by Elliot Smith. Those are two albums yeah. that I absolutely love, but I also know that if I'm not in the right mood for it, I will put myself into a depression just putting them on. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just yeah. sonically transports me into a into that place you know yeah or i I thought of one more the massive attacks mezzanine oh Uh, so good it's from start to finish and that was like yeah like that point of like as a teenager where i discovered portishead and discovered that one massive attack record right there and then like that sort of changed my just my tastes at that point because up to that point it was all guitar 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 and then i heard this stuff and it's like well this isn't guitar rock like but it still like you know hitting me in the same way and that would just be forever changed that way and start to go down into like the electronic music rabbit hole um and again as i said earlier when i was given a guitar for the first time and then your life is ruined that's forever <laughs> uh number nine name an artist whose output you'll consume anything they put out even if you have to be apologetic for it uh i will listen to any and every fish studio album that they make uh they're it's sort of a maligned uh, aspect of them by some people, not by real fans, but like some people are just like, well, what do you need the studio records for? Cause yeah. you know, they're a live band and there's tapes and stuff out there, but I think they're a phenomenal studio band and uh, can re- like, it, it's, it's another muscle that they can flex that I just, I think that people don't necessarily think of. Um, but then like, I mean, there's certain artists, you know, that I own, like I own the entire, ca- like I own the entire REM catalog. Like it's, I'm a huge REM fan. I own the entire Tragically Hip catalog, huge Tragically Hip fan. Um, I had the entire Radiohead catalog up to a certain point, And then I just stopped buying, you know, we've stopped buying. Physical, physical. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, people who I listen to anything they do and just be like, yeah. Um, I think of like someone who's a little newer than anything they come. Well, I mean, um, Anderson Pack is one of them. Oh. Like any Anderson Pack does. Like um I'm in. And I love the uh the the Silk Sonic record that he's done with with Bruno. Although uh my my brother made a very interesting criticism on it and now I can't unhear it where he's just like he's like I like it. He's like I like the sound. He's like it just feels he's like it just feels kind of like nudge nudge winky like hey look at this fun thing we're doing. And I was like 
yeah, I felt that, but I didn't want to think about that. But now I can't not think about that. But yeah. it's a great, it's a great record. I mean, you know, at that level, when we're working like, it's, you know, it's Bruno Mars, Anderson Pack, and like Mark Ronson's involved in there somewhere, like it's going to be quality. <laughs> yeah, 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 100%. Uh, the 10th and final of the top 10 countdown, what is your favorite John of all time? Again, doesn't have to be music, but if you want it to be, it sure can be. I mean, you know, m- music is such a large part of of just me and my life and all that. But like, I don't know, food's pretty up there too. And I don't just mean like eating food and that we all eat food, but like um, that's another big aspect of my life uh, as, as a culinary professional uh, as well. Where like, I don't know, I just love making food for people, like preferably people that I know and, and like. Uh, I always tell people there's a difference between you know, making food in, in a restaurant uh, situation and making food, you know, for your friends or family. Uh, and that became very clear this Thanksgiving when we got up at five in the morning, drove back up to Rochester, New York, got it to my parents' house at 1030 in the morning and immediately started cooking. And my mom was like, well, you just did this like all week at the restaurant. I go, yeah, yeah, but I don't know those people. I was yeah. like, like, this is different. I, I know you. I would rather do this for you for free than, you know, than do it a hundred times for, for strangers. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a big John for me. I love it. Cooking and eating and hanging out and eating. I mean, I come from a, you know, large, like working class Italian family. So there's a lot of eating and yelling and talking with your hands, which, you know, is, is, is always a good time. That's awesome. If these good folks sitting at home want to find anything out about you, how can they find you on the internet? Oh, we're all over the place. Uh, there's, there's a website, 25 o'clock pod.com. Uh, you can also find me. I'm on Twitter at 25 o'clock pod, Instagram at 25 o'clock pod. Uh, I'm on Facebook. Although if anyone's been listening to my interest for the last couple of months, I uh, have listened to me going back and forth about whether or not I'm going to get rid of the Facebook account. Um, because it's not doing anything for me and Facebook makes it harder and harder every year for, you know, small little media outlet like you and me, like, like zines and blogs and little record labels, stuff like that makes it harder and harder for us to make ourselves even remotely visible amongst all the corporate ads. They want to charge us a lot of money for it and all that. And I'm, I'm not here for it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's been really weird. Um, I've, I've, I feel like, and I mean like even on my personal page, not just the page for this Thing, that anytime I share a link for this podcast, because they know that I'm trying to promote something, I swear they bury it in the algorithm. Whereas yeah, if I post I, I a picture, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's crazy. I don't see me or I have to, I have friends who are, you know, social media professionals that like, you know, do this, uh, you know, for companies and stuff like that. And they tell me, it's like, oh, you got to link it and then you got to type something. Or if you, you got to comment on it in, you know, X number of words or more, and that moves in the algorithm. I'm like, I, I literally don't have time for this. No, like, not at all. It's like, I find, I find I get some good back and forth on Twitter. Uh, I like Instagram because you know, it's, it's images. And before I even got the Instagram for the podcast, I was just like, why would a podcast have an Instagram? Like you can't, it's, but now I figure I figured it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can find me in all those places. Uh, yeah. You get re- and if anyone is interested in reaching out 
more directly, you can do that through the website, 25oclockpod.com. If you know a guest I should talk to, if you are a guest that I should talk to, um, hit me up there. Uh, I'm pretty, that stuff pops up. Sometimes stuff gets hidden in the other social media messaging things. Um, The best way is just hit hit me up through the website or email me directly. Um, That's always, anyone who reaches out to me through social media messaging, I'm always happy. Anyone reaches out to me, and if we're going to go further, I'm like, here, I just need to redirect you to the email uh, just so I can keep it all in one place. Because there's nothing worse than being like, wait, how did they, how do I know this person? Like, yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, Dan, thank you so much for spending this time with me. And thank you, you know, for doing everything you do, especially in uh, the Philadelphia region, because um, you are definitely uh, one of the, I think, most important music podcasts um, in the area uh, next to mine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there are others out there and like other people do stuff and it, it, it shows up and there's people writing blogs and there's people doing, you know, doing all kinds of media out there. And I don't ever want to get to a point where I view any of it as competition because it, we're not competition. Number one, ain't none of us getting paid for this really. Right we're doing this cause we love it. So like if there's a community of other people doing it cause they love it, then like, you know, we're, we're not competition. We're, we're, we should all be friends. Yeah. 100%. Uh, all jokes aside, I do believe that you have such an incredibly important, um, uh, kind of, uh, capsule of what Philly music is. And, uh, I appreciate everything you do. Well, thank you, man. I, I appreciate what you do too. It's been nice to kind of roll through your guest list and listen to episodes here and there being like, oh, I know that person. And that's always fun. That's sort of how I gauge like when people, you know, have outlets, content, podcasts or whatever, I'll roll through the list. And if right off the bat, I'm just like, oh, I know them, them, them. I'm like, all right, cool. Like we're, we're kind of working in the same, you know, working in the same worlds. Um, so keep doing what you're doing too. Like I said, there needs to be more of us doing this, not just, not just me. Cause at some point I'm going to get tired of this and I'm going to stop. <laughs> I don't know when it could be tomorrow. It could be uh, five years. from now. I have no idea, but one day it's going to happen. <laughs> My thanks again to Dan Drago for joining me on the podcast. For more info on the 25 o'clock podcast, visit www.25oclockpod.com and make sure to subscribe. And be sure to follow Dan on the socials at 25 o'clock pod on Instagram and Twitter and on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 25 o'clock podcast. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. And if you are the coolest of the cool and best believe you're the coolest, you can earn yourself a super awesome John Scout merit badge for citizenship of the world just by rating and reviewing us. Don't forget to visit www.yothatsmyjohn.com and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash yothatsmyjohn for updates and live streams. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Yo That's My John and search Yo That's My John on YouTube to find the Yo That's My John YouTube channel. And then, guys, while you're there, uh, why don't you go ahead and like and subscribe the heck out of that ish. We want to hear from you. Reach out. Reach out and touch some John. Well, that's all I got for you today. (laughs) Correction, that's all I got for you this year. Happy New Year, my friends. I just want to thank all the guests who joined me this year on the pod. And more importantly, I want to thank you, the listener, for a brilliant 2021. Y'all were a shining bit of goodness in a road of not so great. So I guess I have, but one more question for you. What are you doing New Year's? New Year's.
Whatever that is, gang, blue skies. Until next year, everybody. Hey, yo, displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure. Your taste in music doesn't have... Yo, That's My John is a Lonely Monk production written and produced by yours truly, Nate Runkle. Theme song by Phil Tyler Music featuring Nate 3.0. Special thanks to Fox Run Brands, DX Ferris, Andrew Scott, Natalie Runkle, and the incredibly brilliant and wickedly stunning Katie Daubney. If you or anyone you know has any ideas they would like to share or any guests they would like to hear on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at yo that's my john at gmail.com. Or you can leave an audio message for us and possibly hear yourself on a future episode by visiting anchor.fm slash ytmj slash message. Until next time, be sure to displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure and shout to the world, yo, that's my John. John.